Hello, hello, and welcome to the Hometown Daily News Show, Season 2, Episode 109, for April 19th, 2023, Debit Card Wildebeest, and here is a quick rundown of today's articles. So we're going to start out with the paradox of productivity and then talk about an ancient necropolis that was discovered next to a Paris train station. Then we're going to talk about the return of a bring your own cup day to 7-Eleven, which, uh, well, I'll, we'll talk about it. Then a New York bagel shop has figured out a loophole to n- not have to pay state sales tax, which, you know, that's always a bonus. Then there's free money that was tossed from a car and everybody stopped and picked it up. Uh, There's a lot to that. Ron DeSantis sticks it to woke Disney by hilariously banning contracts, which is a direct unconstitutional act. And a new trailer for weathering waves drops. Looks really good. More people have played the Sims 4 then live in France. I have a little soapbox about that. Multiple Russian submarines seem to be moving in strange routes around the UK. I'm referring to them as Crazy Ivans from Hunt for Red October. And Mist Rogue Living Dungeons hitting uh, Steam Early Access. There was a date announced. And finally... Hot Tubs Wildebeest found after $340,000 in Ohio public funds go missing. Let's get into today's articles. Hello, hello. I am Erwat. That is hometown.com. I need to flip my camera so I'm pointing in the... Anyway... Up there is the visualizer for the AI. You want to say hi? Good evening, hometown citizens. Hey, it's working. Happy I haven't changed Wednesday. The... Oh, pardon me. Sorry. Didn't mean to stomp on your words there. Um, I haven't changed the color of the visualizer. I guess I'm going to have to make it programmatic. Just change on, on the fly. I'll figure it out. Well, we've already selected all of the articles. We're going to talk about them. Anything amazing happen in hometown today? Not that I'm aware of. All right. Well, let's get into this. Um, every time I visit hometown, there's always new stuff. And I start going down this rabbit hole of information. And I just can't. Um, I can't just get work done. And anyway... So go and check out hometown.com. Also, don't forget all of the show notes have all of the links. Um, You can go over to YouTube, get the long-term storage. So there's past articles uh, that we talk about, and you can just do a search inside hometown on YouTube, and it'll pull up whatever articles are discussed based on the title and stuff like that. Um, Pretty neat there, but you can go over to hometown as well and do a search, and it'll pull up. From here, uh, we have six main categories and then about 
we're still at 47. I'm, I've actually got the last three on deck, um, but I'm hashing it all out. And then we have the seventh category, which is just the podcast, which updates um, regularly so that it has all of the show notes and all of the other information that's scattered everywhere. Um, the podcast has it. You can use a podcatcher to catch it wherever you catch pods. But if you don't have a podcatcher, I have one here for you over at hometown.com. Um, and uh, just as a little side note, if the AI needs to take off and take care of something, totally understand that. So the um, articles have already been selected and we will get going. Um, the very first article is the paradox of productivity paranoia. Um, we love alliteration here in hometown. And uh, it says here that workers say that they're more productive when they work remotely or in a hybrid arrangement. Many bosses are not confident in their workers productivity levels when they can't see them, but it's demonstrably provable that they work just as much um, and are happier or they work more because they're happier and they don't have an imbalance of work life. So they don't sit there and struggle to do their work. They do their work. Um, and because they're happier and healthier, their work is even better. Yeah. So we can, we can end up talking about it. Um, and I really think that it needs to be a longer discussion. Um, but we'll, I don't know, maybe we can select another day to gather up all of the information that's available from research papers to anecdotal um, CEO. And, and we're talking about modern CEOs every once in a while. Well, not even every once in a while. There's a, a, a plethora of, you know, wingnut CEOs who demand the Luddite way of butt in seat. I'm buying a building and paying for all of this stuff. So you need to be there. But modern CEOs, unless you are actually doing something with your hands and I can't ship it to you to do it, you can do it anywhere. You really can. In fact, I would be more prone to sending my goods to somebody to build it in the comfort of their own home, unless it's a health and safety issue um, where they can be as comfortable as they want um, following guidelines so that, you know, they aren't hurt in the production of a product in their house. Um, but I'd rather have happy, healthy, um, employees who don't feel pissed that they've had to spend an hour or two in traffic. That's, it just seems like That's it's common true. sense. I mean, how well does your day start off when you go in like that? And how how good is your output, really? Even if it's only about that. So, not not to get too set aside for this, but I, I know somebody that was distracted for the rest of the day after they got rear-ended. And, and it was done during the job. They left work to go to lunch because... Guess what? They don't have it at home because they're not at home. They're at the workplace. So they drive to lunch and on the way there, somebody derps and rear ends them. Um, and then they're distracted for the rest of the day because their neck hurts or, you know, whatever. 
You know what doesn't happen when you're at home? Car accidents, distraction. People walking into your office all the time, blah, blah, blah. There's all, there's myriad reason for why. Not to mention People safety. coughing on you. <laughs> safety and security is amongst that. So anyway, this is productivity paranoia. So uh, Quartz, which, which is a new, or QZ.com, which is a new addition to our uh, news aggregation, um, has this article. It says six ways to trust employees without sacrificing results. I don't know. Trust them. Assign them work product and they will either work or they will fail. And if they fail, then they don't work. Get it? Anyway, Jean Britton, Leslie and Kelly Simmons um, is the author of this. And they start out by saying workers say that they're more productive when they work remotely or in a hybrid arrangement. But many bosses are not confident in their workers productivity levels when they can't see them. The obsessive suspicion that remote and hybrid employees are not working as efficiently as they would be if they were observable in the office has been dubbed productivity paranoia by Microsoft uh, CEO Satya Nadella. Um, so it says their research has found that virtual teams focused on building trust and verifying results had higher ratings of team effectiveness. Here are their tips to strike a balance at your own company. And this is all about virtual teams within that particular domain. But my experience is you, and again, just like this, they say they're research, but uh, mine is anecdotal because I didn't document it like this. I'm not running Six Sigma on anything. <laughs> um, my evidence is everybody is happier and healthier, engaged with their family, engaged with the workplace. They're doing the job. They're getting it done. Uh, the people that they are uh, interacting with have more immediate response time because they are ever present. And they work between the times that they are assigned and beyond and before actually. Um, because they do it because they're comfortable and it's not something that they have to mandate because at five o'clock when they have to clock out, if they clock out, right? Uh, I'm not saying everybody clocks out, but you, you encapsulate, you, you sit there and go, I'm, I'm going to clock in at this time and engage in work product and clock out. And then you disengage from that point on, even if you are exempt and you're salaried and working if the job needs to be done. But when you have to travel an hour or two to get home, you turn off and rightfully so, because nobody's getting paid before or after the 40 hours worth of work. Anything beyond 40 hours is diluting your hourly rate. And that's what you get paid for. You don't get paid to sit in traffic. What do you think? Uh, completely agree. Um, it seems like there are numerous benefits to working virtually and so many detriments to working in person. Um, and I just, I don't really get it because number one, trust the people that you employ. Number two, results will show very quickly because even if you don't see over the person's shoulder, 
everybody's accountable to somebody. So whether it's a company's customers, clients, um, co-workers, depending on what projects people are working on. I mean, obviously if they're doing something like manual labor, it's gonna be very clear when one part fails. But the point is the results will speak for themselves and you don't need to be standing over somebody's shoulder to see that the work gets done because you can determine, is it done, right? Did that, the product or whatever service occur? And then what was the quality of it? Yep. Um, I've seen people kind of hover in the, um, when people try to do virtual work, but they don't hover over the same people when they're on site, like they're kind of, they might as well be remote. They're barely in contact with each other. And it's like, I can't marry the two up. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen people produce more better work because they are happier, um, in the new dynamic. Um, of course, I've also seen people that are rather abusive of the, <laughs> of the new dynamic. Um, but it's usually but aren't those the same people that are slacking off in the, they're not place? really doing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They might be looking busy, but are they really producing much on site? Right. I haven't really seen a super productive on-site employee. That's a super slacker offsite. Yeah. And that like just it's doesn't either happen. one or the other. <laughs> yeah. They're always one way or the other. So, um, and the article goes into different ways of trying to raise awareness of, productivity and trust and, and working together kind of a thing. Um, and they ask some questions like instill a sense of purpose that way they're not aimless or shifty uh, outside of the workplace, encourage learning from isn't working, uh, um, which is really hard because some leadership doesn't want to be told that it isn't working. They actually frown upon it. Um, and returning to work isn't working because the old dynamic, well, the old new dynamic. I'm not sure what you want to call it. Um, anyway, the work from home dynamic, um, was kind of the antithesis of, uh, the leadership mode that was in place. You knew where people were, you set the mandate that they had to be in an office during this time, that time, whatever. And you knew where they were, but you still didn't know if they were working until the work product showed up. So why can't you just chill and let the work product show up and speak for the workers performance by itself? But it, when you instill a sense of purpose in somebody, they have a direction, they have something that they can believe in. And if they don't believe in it, then it doesn't matter how much installation of uh, purpose you try to uh, infect them with, it's not going to work and promote agency. Um, create a virtual connection. Yeah. For me, you can always get in touch with me via zoom, that kind of a thing. Um, or phone or email. Uh, everything is always immediately available. Uh, I have never understood why, uh, you have to set up a meeting and everybody has to converge to this one place. I do get it in some cases where you want that camaraderie, you want to build that energy, but not every single time you do it for big actions to set the stage for a kickoff of some kind, um, but not sitting there harping on people constantly. 
uh, foster growth and development, which is basically what you're supposed to be doing as leadership in a business anyway. So um, you got to make people believe in your dream, whatever it might be, uh, if you are the one that's running the show and it trickles down, so to speak. Um, you know, the CEO has the dream and then senior leadership has the, the dream distilled a little bit. And then all the way down to everybody who's actually boots on the ground doing stuff. Right. Like how do I relate to the overall goal? Like employees need to see that. It's interesting. You said, uh, one of the points in particular was tied to just general leadership. And I think actually all these points are sure. I mean, if you're a good leader, you should be doing these anyway, and they're not specific to virtual. I mean, they can be helpful, of course, in a virtual environment, but you might yeah. already be doing these or, or thinking about these anyway. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so let's let's go on to the next article. Um, and before I do that, though, let me throw this into the VOD so that you can see it. And anybody who wants to can follow that uh, URL over to the source. And let me throw this one into the chat as well. Um, at some point, I think I'm actually going to refire the YouTube stream as well. I now have the ability to have a unified chat. Um, so I'll be able to do both chats at the same time. Um, and that was one of the things that I had a real, it was a, a pain point for me. Um, but I'll also reissue the stream from Twitch as the podcast, um, form of it. Um, not the YouTube uh, recording because the way that YouTube does it is weird. Um, a live stream is wholly separate from a produced video that you would upload to YouTube. And so it doesn't show up as often um, in search results and discovery kind of sucked. And that's why I backed away from YouTube. Um, but if I do both, then I can um, hopefully reach more people. Well, anyway, uh, the next article is Ancient Necropolis Unearthed Next to Busy Paris Train Station. Um, it's basically the 2,000-year-old um, necropolis just meters away from a busy train station in the heart of Paris. Let's just jump over to fizz.org, and of course, there's a body there. So that's... Um, there's a song, like the Bodies at the Floor. This is like, let the bodies be under the floor, 2,000 years old. Um, anyway, never mind. It... I don't know that song. I mean, the original or the, uh, <laughs> the remake, or, I guess. Or Marowat's remake. Right. Uh, somehow the buried necropolis was never stumbled upon during multiple road works over the years. Yeah, people probably saw something and said, nah, 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 nah. don't talk, don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. Um, as well as the construction of the Port Royal Station on the historic left bank in the 1970s. However, plans for a new exit for the train station prompted an archaeological excavation. Camille Colonna, an anthropologist at Fran uh, France's National Institute of Preventative Archaeological Research, uh, told uh, maybe it translates uh, in French a little bit more. I know. I love that when there's a, a language, uh, it's not in English, but the article's in English. And you look at the abbreviation, it doesn't match in any not way as, the title. Yeah, it's not as... Uh, I, 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 I really like French, and so 
um, when it translates into, into American, it, I think it comes across a little clunky. Anyway, I'm sure well, that it's much it more be beautiful. Snipper, if it if it translated uh, in the same order, which sounds a little clunkier than inwrap. Yeah. Uh, well. Uh, okay. Anyway. Um, so, told the press conference that there were already strong suspicions the site was close to Lutetia, I guess, Lutetia, um, southern necropolis, the Saint Jacques necropolis, uh, the largest burial site in Gallo-Roman town of Lutetia. Um, was previously partially excavated in the 1800s. However, only objects considered precious were taken from the graves. Many uh, with, or sorry, uh, with many, with the many skeletons, burial offerings and other artifacts abandoned. So um, I guess they look haphazardly put in. It doesn't look like it's a necropolis so much as it's just kind of, they're interred in the ground this way and that way you know it's like somebody just did pickup sticks yeah that's odd i i wouldn't expect that yeah so ferrymen of hades i guess there's some reference to it um in here in greek mythology uh charon is the ferryman of hades and the coin was considered a bribe to carry the souls of the dead across the river Styx. Uh, sometimes uh, they would find a coin sitting uh, with the body, uh, apparently a, a common practice at the time called Karen's Obel, which is you pay the ferryman to carry your soul across um, the river Styx. Um, and I, I used to know a lot more about this, but like most things, my knowledge is, you know, a few inches deep, but 10,000 miles wide and and long um <coughs> colonna said that shoes were placed either at the feet of the dead or next to them like an offering as well it's pretty neat oh yeah and i remember seeing this in other places um they knew that there were shoes because uh they would find small nails like all of the material um was oh had um disintegrated decomposed. Or yeah um but the nails didn't Hello, Z. Welcome. Uh, we're pretty early in the show. We're only two articles in, so um, welcome to the show. And uh, feel free to interject whenever you are interested in something or want to talk about something. Um, so they would also find jewelry, hairpins, belts, etc. Um, you know, all of the personal affects there. Hanging out. Um, so this is pretty cool, and I always like in america you just don't find this stuff with the regularity that you find stuff in uh, the uk and in europe why because they were living here the the original people the aboriginal people the native people um were living on the land not not really focusing on like digging into it and building fixed structures and all of that um and um and then of course you know all of europe comes over and starts doing all of the things that the europeans do and um we have the new americas right so at any rate you just don't find this stuff 
you know, and I absolutely love this because you can go over to the UK and just grab a trowel and dig down four inches and suddenly you've got Roman ruins in your living room. You know, it's just amazing that there's so much history. Um, but some people just want to literally bury it and keep it buried. Don't be curious about our uh, prior existence nothing else matters except for here and now um, but i'm really curious you know what existed to what expanse did it exist um, and the more that we look down uh, under our current civilization we find that there has been more and more civilization further and further back always find it fascinating did you want to add anything did you observe anything while we were going through the article real quick no i was just looking at the photographs i thought there were some interesting photographs in the article i just i think this is fascinating especially since it's so close to um, yeah, modern modern uh, civilization and nobody even knew it was there yeah dig down a little bit and you find a whole new civilization okay well let's hustle on to the next article um this next one is about 7-Eleven. So if you are from somewhere far flung from the United States and they don't have a 7-Eleven, just know that um, they actually used to be open 24 hours a day at one point, even though they were called 7-Eleven. I've forgotten why they're called 7-Eleven. I don't believe that they were ever only open from 7 o'clock in the morning to 11 p.m. at night. But anyway, it's basically kind of... a gas station supermarket kind of feel to it well april 29th is bring your own cup day for slurpees at 7-eleven customers can get their favorite flavor for $1.99 when they bring in their own cup uh, the company is encouraging customers to get creative with their cups as long as they comply with a few rules so let's go over to the hill and um, let's see amber coakley is the author of this article and yeah i remember this from uh, was it last year maybe it was a couple of years ago i, I mean uh, the pandemic kind of put a a warp in my reality um it was probably 2019 because it seems like it was recent but i think it was before the pandemic and yeah so um and you'll have to say that by the way um, what you sent me because our interface is no longer connected. But. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, the history of the name is that they were called 7-Eleven and this is back in the 1940s because they had extended hours of operation. I'm sure at that time that was pretty unusual. It was from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. and it was seven days a week. Um, obviously that changed over the years or maybe wasn't as astounding, but I guess the name stuck. Yeah, I always like the joke that I, I uh, went to a 7-Eleven that was open 24 hours a day and they were locking it up. And I said, hey, why are you locking up the 7-Eleven? You're open 24 hours a day. And he says, not in a row. And just walked away. All right. So I remember this actually kicking off um, and people were bringing in like ever larger and crazier things. And somebody had brought in like a kiddie pool and there weren't as many rules apparently so it needs to be food safe and clean it needs to be able to fit upright within the 10 inch hole of the in-store display um the <laughs> sorry z it's a, that was more of a joke than 
real, but anyway. <laughs> the cup must be watertight and leak proof. Um, so I guess if you can fit it in there, you can, you can bring it in. So I will probably just to go through this experience, I will bring in my, what was it? I'll bring in this. I'll just bring that in This is my hydro flask and uh, I'll just fill it up with a. It might not fit dispenser. under the slurpy drink dispenser though. Might Does be it have tall. to fit entirely within it or just the, yeah, it says upright. Uh, I'm going to have to get one of those really big cups, like 10 inches tall, but wide, like a giant coffee cup. I'll make it work. I'll figure something out to the 3d printer. I will 3d print a custom cup. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Z says you think the kid running it is going to care. Nope. Not one bit. They'll probably be more irritated by it being out all the time because people are going to be emptying this thing, you know, constantly depending on where you go. Big cities, it just must be a nightmare for the people that work at a 7-Eleven. Yeah. All right. You want to move on to the next one? Yes, but I think you'll have to report back on your experience uh, in, the, <laughs> in yeah. the show that night. Yeah. I'll put a calendar date on there so that I can make sure April 29th. Um, I, have, I think I have like an all-day meeting that day too. I'm not sure. Um, anyway, the next article is over in the Law Nerd channel. Uh, New York bagel shop finds loophole to get around the state's sales tax. Man, if the ingenuity that people would dedicate to circumventing something like sales tax, sales tax and taxes do so much good for society as a whole. I just don't understand trying to wiggle your way out of them. You pay the ones that you're supposed to pay and you get kicked back what you are overpaying or you kick some back if you, oh, I mean, it's as simple as that. Obviously, a lot of people kind of manipulate their way into a lower uh, taxable income, but um, most people don't have the ability to manipulate. Um, so, I always feel like I've committed a crime. You know, I'm fastidious. Uh, did I did I do this calculation right? Do I have everything that I'm supposed to have in place? Blah, blah, blah. Did I get um, them to the right penny? Um, I think that's a common uh, feeling is submitting taxes. And when I talk to people about it, they go, yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat like that, but I normally get money back so i don't really care that kind of thing um and uh i would i w ended up talking to somebody about it because i reminded them that the next day is tax day and um i said you know when i file my taxes i can i monitor my pulse regularly right because i like stats and my pulse just like goes right up and then back down but it takes the next day yeah after everybody says, yeah, we've accepted your taxes. That will be an interesting medical study, I think. <laughs> yeah, you just have, you do what I did when I was doing VR stuff uh, research, you know, pupil dilation, uh, galvanic skin response, heart rate, breath rate, 
blood pressure. You monitor all of these things as you're about to mash send for your taxes. Uh, feels like a heart attack every time. Well, anyway, these people have no qualms. They figured out how to avoid taxes. Stephen Chung over at Above the Law wrote this article. What constitutes prepared food can be complicated and confusing. In 2019, the New York State Department of Taxation of Finance issued a bulletin announcing that sandwiches are subject to sales tax. And the bulletin did not define what a sandwich is, but gives a laundry list of examples. They say here, to their knowledge, the agency has not ruled on whether KFC's Double Down, which is two slices of bacon and two slices of cheese with two fried chicken fillets, serving as the buns would be considered a sandwich. So what did they do? This led to a New York's infamous bagel tax. A whole bagel can be purchased tax free, but if you sliced it, then it would be considered a sandwich and subject to the sales tax. This, not might, this might not mean much to those who eat out occasionally, but for people who need a daily garlic bagel with cream cheese, it's the inter- incremental sales tax can add up. So, so I had to look up sandwich in the dictionary and it is tied to bread specifically. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. In New York? No, just in general. Like in the Oxford English Dictionary, for example, It's an article of food for a light meal or snack composed of two thin slices of bread, usually buttered with a savory. And then it, sorry, it trails off, but, um, but it's two slices. Correct. And so for instance, like open face sandwiches, and there's uh, some other definitions on here too, but they, they are similar. So I just use that one as an example. So H&H Bagels found a way that they could get around the the New York sandwich tax and it would serve a whole bagel with the cream cheese stuffed inside the bagel. And this would avoid slicing the bagel so that it would not be considered a sandwich. And the price of the tax-free bagel is $1.90. Considering that it's plain cream cheese bagel sells for $4.90, that's quite the tax-free bargain. But unfortunately... This was limited time offer, which ended April 18th, which is the deadline to file tax returns unless an extension extension is filed. So if the definition is two slices of bread, why can't I take like Texas Texas toast, slice it 80% of the way through, and now you have a, a bread taco and not two slices. You put everything in it. Yeah, that might work uh, for the uh, getting around the dictionary. It might not get around the tax bulletin because that, for instance, includes bagel sandwiches. I don't know if it gets into like a half sliced <laughs> piece of bread or whatever. But yeah, so is a hoagie an actual sandwich and taxed? Because it's it, you know, a, a right. cheesesteak sandwich is is what I'm talking about. It's partially cut through, not all the way. Okay, we'll have to. Maybe, maybe I can provide the strategic management services in New York. To but taste focus uh, sandwiches. On, <laughs> yeah. This uh, just evading taxes by providing that as a strategic advantage through my consultancy. We'll see. I'll, I'll, uh, Marwat and Ohmtown extending its borders by providing business services. And 
the the number of new citizens to Omtown would be staggering. Okay, well, because of the confusion as to what constitutes heated or prepared food that could be subject to sales tax, many states like New York give extensive examples as to what types of food are exempt and what's taxable. So you're going to have to hunt it down if you're going to be doing business in New York because kind of like building code. Good luck. Good luck. You don't know that you've run afoul of something until you've run afoul of it. Um, then you I just, really know. <laughs> yeah. I just had this conversation with somebody today, as a matter of fact, because um, they were pitching a new business, um, not in Omtown, outside of Omtown, but uh, they were pitching a new business. And uh, I said, well, what you're talking about cannot ever be considered a cottage business. So you're going to have to have food handlers, licensing and commercial kitchen and uh, monitoring everything at an industrial scale. Um, so be prepared to either take out a loan or find investors if you don't have the scratch. So it's, it's interesting because when you try when you have that entrepreneurial spirit, which this really is, you try to overcome all of the obstacles. I'm not sure if this is actually going to matter though, right? They already ended it April 18th yesterday. Yeah, but it's going to be interesting since it hit the news and everything. I mean, don't you just see them getting audited? Like, give us your <laughs> records for April 18th or whatever when they were doing the promotion. Yeah. Like, why didn't you assess any taxes that day or, or whatever it is? Yeah, maybe they didn't sell any. They probably did. It's New York bagels. <laughs> yeah, they sold a lot. With cream cheese in them. I mean, that sounds even better than with cream cheese on them. <laughs> I guess in an inside. Well, it's messy inside. to eat, right? True. Yeah. Huh. I guess, I mean, if you can fill up a donut with stuff, you can fill up a bagel with cream cheese. I can't imagine somebody squeezing cream cheese into. I would bite into that and it would just explode. <laughs> I was just thinking that sounds great till you try to eat it. <laughs> Sorry about that, ma'am. Um, so the next article is over in uh, the Hatch Ideas channel. Free money. A man reportedly tossed $200,000 in cash out of his window as drivers grabbed bills. Um, the uh, incident occurred on a highway in Eugene, Oregon. I believe this is the thing that I read about in other places. Eventually it came to hometown. Um, but I believe what they did was they emptied the family. Yeah, it is. They emptied the family's bank account and tossed $200,000 out of the car onto the highway. Um, and uh, I, I'm not quite sure why it was it says the 35 year old claimed he wanted uh, to gift the money to strangers out of the kindness or out of uh, kindness and that he tossed roughly two hundred thousand dollars onto the highway uh, in total well that'll get people killed but maybe not at this time it caused havoc and confusion among the drivers so yeah emptied the family's bank account It Not wasn't even, time. but it was a shared account and yeah. apparently the family was not on board with this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
If I had $200,000 to toss out of a car, then I would probably do it because I had an extra $200,000 that I didn't care about. Right. But I'm not going to empty. Like maybe they only had 200000 which I don't mean only as in it's not a lot of money. but. <laughs> yeah. And so Z says, sounds like a manic episode. And that's where my brain went to as well. But I don't see that as being stated anywhere, right? They're not questioning the person's state. No, but it's also interesting because the family seems to be wanting the money back and they're not pressing charges against the person, which implies there might be something else behind the scenes like that. But you'd think that would be mentioned somewhere in the article. So public service announcement. If you think that there's somebody that might reach into your bank account and it's shared and they have, you know, manic episodes require power of attorney to withdraw any money. Um, so or don't even have the witness. shared account or whatever. Well, I mean, you can have like a credit card and it draw or not a, a debit card, like which debit is going to actually, this is a good call because a debit card is, a fundamental thing in our news today, um, but we'll get oh, to Oh, yes, it, it we'll is. <laughs> this could have been a whole lot messier because if they had purchased a whole bunch of these things that we're going to talk about in a little bit out of the car. Oh, yes. Yeah, it would be a little bit more havoc and confusing there. Um, so let's keep on hustling. Uh, did I throw this into the chat? Yeah, I did. Um, okay, so let's keep going. Um, the next article is... Uh, the one that most people are going to go uh, about because it has to do with Ron DeSantis, who sticks it to the woke Disney with hilarious unconstitutional law banning contracts. That's right, folks, because they're business friendly, like it says in the articles, a little snippet. This is over at Above the Law. Oh, and before I go too far, I forgot to mention this is by Emily Rella. Uh, the uh, man reportedly tossed $200,000 in cash out of his car window as drivers grabbed bills. That was written by Emily Rella over at entrepreneur.com. My bad. I kind of skipped over it because I got really excited about the article. Um, well, this next one is over at Above the Law, and it's by Liz Dye. And it's titled, Ron DeSantis sticks it to woke Disney with hilariously unconstitutional law banning contracts. Now, if you haven't been paying attention, um, Disney is, let me, I'm going to soapbox for a second. Is that okay? Let me soapbox. <laughs> You're going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can turn off and then come back in a few minutes. No. <laughs> and I won't, I mean, you'll still be in the soapbox. I'll miss true. some of the content, but I won't, it won't be over. <laughs> a very, a very tall soapbox. Okay. So there's this big battle between Ron DeSantis and Disney and it's kind of going tit for tat and Disney is just crushing DeSantis, right? Well, Disney decide, or I'm sorry, DeSantis says, well, if you do this, then we're going to build a prison right outside Disney. Um, you know, to safeguard children by putting a prison outside of Disney. That makes sense. Well, then Disney goes, oh, really? Well, we're going to have the first ever Pride Night where everybody's going to be dressed up as allies to the LGBTQA plus uh, 
what do you it, that's just it right i mean community so whatever the rationale here is the next step that desantis says is oh really well let's do this oh and by the way this started about two years ago with the don't say gay law from florida which in and of itself should be unconstitutional uh, and unenforceable but it's being leveraged to florida schools um so complete wingnut whatever uh batshit crazy whatever so desantis goes i'm going to uh, stack the deck so that everybody is loyal to me and we're going to reverse policy and take back something that has um, empowered Florida to generate so much money and employ so many people that if Disney were to vacate Florida, it would probably collapse economically. But this guy's a wingnut and fundy extremist i think and is doing whatever they can to stick it to the woke people out there um and and then has done other things beyond this right to 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 create something that basically allows him and his hive mind of yes people to uh, delete people with a vote of eight to four Okay, not a unanimous anything, and we get it more wrong than right. And you can't resurrect people, much unlike they want to believe that anybody can be resurrected. But anyway, so what is what do they do? They try to retroactively cancel contracts. Yeah, so let me read this. An independent special district is precluded from complying with the terms of any development agreement and any other agreement for which the development agreement serves in whole or part as consideration executed within three months preceding the effective date of a law modifying the manner of selecting members of the governing body of the independent special district from election to appointment or from appointment to election. The newly elected or appointed governing body of the independent special district shall review within four months of taking office any development agreement and any other agreement for which the development agreement serves in whole or part as consideration and, after such review, shall vote on whether to seek re-adoption of such agreement and this subsection shall apply to any development agreement that is in effect on or is executed after the effectiveness date of this section literally saying if you've had a contract in history because it's effective on or has been executed after this date the effectiveness of this statute they can cancel it so when i read that I was flabbergasted. Why would anybody ever do any business except for wingnuts in Florida? But that's kind of that's kind of the the message here. Um, and I haven't even gotten to the end of my soapbox because the here, here's the kicker for this. 
So it says, that's right. The party of capitalists is going to stick it to big business by retroactively empowering the governor's appointees to void contracts that they don't like. So the author here, um, again, let me just reiterate Liz Dye is the author of this article. Um, writes article one, section 10, the powers denied to the States. No state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation, grant letter of marquee, or reprisal, coin money, emit bills of credit, make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts, pass any bill of attainder, ex post facto law, or law impairing the obligation of contracts. It literally uses the word. Uh, and then of course, uh, or grant any title of nobility, because the whole idea was that nobody could be a noble in the United States. Um, and the constitution is set up to control government. It's to put the brakes on the government. So in Which apparently was needed here. <laughs> yeah. So in coordination with that, the states have the ability to do all kinds of stuff, but they can't arbitrarily cancel contracts because they don't like it because really the, the, uh, our, um, merger and acquisition of land across the United States and, and the creation of states are basically contracts that we are in agreement as a unified state, the United States. We all have agreements that say that we're going to stick together through thick and thin. Um, and it, this is basically what it means to stop that a state can't just arbitrarily cancel a contract because somebody doesn't like it. This is akin to somebody trying to take over from one state to another. Like I don't want to be part of the United States. I'm just going to disconnect. The, the person has no idea what the constitution is or, or what it does or what the framing of the United States really is. Um, they're all about this wingnut party that really needs to be put back under their rock. And I haven't even gotten to what I wanted to say because I started climbing up onto my uh, soapbox and I didn't reach the top. And here it is. Here's what I want to get to. Anytime I hear anybody throwing woke around, it triggers me because I sit there and I say, if the opposite is you calling me woke, right? I'm woke. I'll lean into it. I will accept it. Why? Because woke means that I'm awake and I'm not asleep. I'm not regressive. I'm not shutting my eyes to the way that the world really is. I'm fully versed in everything that's going on so that I am aware and one of the things that people who aren't woke have as a commonality is they're completely closed minded to the rest of society. They think that everybody who isn't them is a problem and makes them unhappy and they can't be happy unless everybody else is miserable. So they want all the rest of society to be as equally asleep as they are. Yet at the same time, they say that they're the ones that are informed. They're the ones that are not snowflakes. 
Yet I've never heard anybody say to anyone with their belief system, you're not allowed to practice that. Well, no, you're not allowed to force it on anybody else. That's what everybody who's woke says. You can practice whatever you want. You can say nearly anything you want, but that's not good enough. Everybody together is not good enough. It's them versus everybody else. And that's where they circle the wagons. It's just a big pile of ignorance and sociopathy. So anyway, that's the end of my soapbox. Um, I am going to move on unless you want to add something to this. Uh, there was something funny at the end of the article. They referenced uh, DeSantis getting into the Hall of Presidents, which is in Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which they I also just thought was to brilliant him. to end it with. <laughs> so they, they say at the very end, uh, well, maybe Tiny D can sneak into the park after closing time and stand on the stage in the Hall of Presidents, because at this rate, that's as close as he's ever going to get to the White House. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna. I'll have to move on. Um, the next article is uh, over in the Aerith channel. It has to do with a trailer of uh, a game called Wuthering Heights. It's an RPG. A developer Kuro Game uh, released a stunning new trailer for its free-to-play open-world action RPG, Wuthering Waves. I think I said Wuthering Heights. Um, and and uh, that was the prequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you had to uh, fly above the weathering waves and in the weathering heights, and then you get into the weathering waves. Anyway, um, it says the trailer environments and score give the author major near automata, uh, sorry, automata um, vibes. And then they say it's a sneak peek into weathering waves, introduces maps, characters, enemies. To me, this is um, very, let me mute that. Otherwise, I'm going to get a takedown. Um, Genshin Impact is what springs to mind when I'm watching this. Um, and Genshin Impact has a massive following. There's people that just play this for thousands of hours. Um, but it's very grindy. I don't know about this, but I will probably end up uh, playing it. It says here that uh, the trailers, environments, and score give uh, the author um, near auto automata vibes. And that the sneak peek into Wuthering Waves introduces maps, characters, enemies, and the story content that players will soon be able to enjoy in the game's closed beta test, which will run across PC, iOS, Android on April 24th. Um, when you follow the link, you'll get taken over to RPG Fan um, and RPGFan.com. Corey Tishpin is the author and has that video embedded in it. Um, I would follow the link and uh, check it out definitely vote um, for if you're interested in this kind of stuff because i'm really into games but i also have this very dynamic um, news uh, podcast you know uh, hometown daily news show so i don't typically focus on nothing but games even though twitch is really game heavy um, it life is very dynamic so i have a little bit of everything um, so there's an apocalyptic event called the Calament that hit the world more than a century ago. Strange creatures soon followed and sowed destruction and violence across the land and survivors banded together and are rebuilding their cities while fighting back against the mysterious invaders. Sounds like a great premise. 
Um, and here's some screenshots. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, um, go follow the link. I think you might be able to uh, apply for the closed beta. If you follow the link, um, you might be able to, uh, but I haven't done that yet. Um, I, I, I've been testing games for many, many years. And so I just don't have the Twitch reflexes anymore to be a good beta tester. I'll let other people do it and then I'll benefit from it. Um, at any rate, go and check it out. Let's move on to the next article, if you don't mind. Sounds I'm good. Assuming, I'm, I assume your silence means it's cool. Um, so the <laughs> so the AI just <laughs> like sends me a message, um, like yeah, <laughs> duh. Um, why even bring it up? Eh. Anyway, um, so more people have played The Sims 4 than live in France. I thought that's an interesting stat. Um, I always make reference to Wyoming um, because there are, okay, this is going to be really depressing, but it has to do with COVID. There have been more people that have fallen from COVID, twice as many than the population of Wyoming. Um, yet there are people that still say, oh, it's not a big deal. No, no, no. Go, go back under your rock. Um, there's adults speaking. Uh, so anyway, uh, more people have played the Sims four than live in France. <laughs> God, this is an astounding stat to me. <laughs> um, okay. How long has The Sims 4 uh -huh. been out? Um, you know, I don't even Approximately. know. Approximately. Uh, I don't, I wish I could tell you. And uh, while you look it up, um, Z, you are awesome. You deserve way more than that. So um, Z just noticed that she's got a diamond. So um, very special to the stream. So thank you very much for hanging out. I really appreciate it when you show up. Um, and when you're not here, I still talk about you, by the way. So I always drop your, your letter dunk um in the article from time to time dunk star hey guess what you too um okay so um 70 million people have played sims 4 16 million of which signed up since it went free to play in october last year this thing went from having 4 million people who paid for it to 16 million people adding to it for a total, right? No, 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 70 million people have played the game, 16 of which, 16 million of which in since October. Wow. So within six months, they added 16 million people to their roster. That's and by the way, the game has been around for a while, but I guess obviously since the free to play has been very new. So Joshua Wolins over at PCGamer.com put the article together. I know that they've added things to it. Um, they've had earlier iterations of it, but I think The Sims 4 is the one where they've been adding more and more uh, DLC to it, more expansions to it. And now you actually have interactive babies. They used to just be sitting in a crib um, or sitting in a playpen or sitting in a stroller or something like that and non-functional. Now you actually interact with them and people are losing their minds because they actually are being the parent from end to end on this um, because you do everything in The Sims. 
by the way. Okay, sorry. Um, I got distracted. Um, so it says the sim, uh, the numbers are in, and it turns out that basically all of you are playing The Sims 4. In an announcement put out yesterday, EA announced that The Sims 4 is officially the most widely played game in the history of the franchise, with over 70 million people playing the game, 16 million who have signed up since October last year. That's also incredible because I always think of the first version as being the most popular and then it kind of trails off from there, but apparently not. Yeah, there, there's actually more to this article. Um, players have also achieved 27.1 million milestones, the things that you do um, across the all of the platforms. And uh, the fact that Sims 4 is a pretty popular game isn't exactly unexpected news, but the sheer size of the player base took the author aback. Um, 70 million players is quite a few. And so I guess they looked it up and it's, um, it's more people than live in France or the UK. And according to them, according to the Wikipedia page that they pulled up, there are only 19 countries on earth with a higher population than the Sims. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that stunned silence is because it's a huge number, 70 million. Okay, well, <laughs> it's what one fifth of the United States. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty big. Okay, let's keep on hustling. Um, the next article is all about the crazy Ivans, multiple Russian submarines moving in strange routes, the UK says. And if you've never watched the hunt for red October, that's where the crazy Ivan is from. And I want to yell one ping only, but none of us in hometown have a soundboard ready to do it. Um, you know, my production value just kind of sucks. I want to do more. <laughs> um, I want a soundboard, but the stream deck um, has too much lag. When I push the button, I want it to go immediately. Um, but the uh, but there are other mixers and soundboards that have immediate response time, and I want to get one of those now. Uh, well, I've always wanted to get it. I keep getting something and then selling it. You know, this has nothing to do with the article. Anyway. British Defense Secretary Ben Wallace said that the UK had been tracking uh, Russian submarines in the North Atlantic and in the Irish Sea and in the North Sea. Um, this actually is also coming from others in the region, the Nordic region, that have been monitoring Russian forces in their waters and reporting that, hey, these people are out there apparently grabbing telemetry to see if they can damage uh, wind, solar, hydro, um, the uh, gas and oil pipelines, uh, telecommunications, et cetera, et cetera. They're looking basically to cause damage, um, but they're not doing it now because they're just tourists. So Ellie Cook is the author of this article over at newsweek.com. And uh, yeah, so everybody's spying on everybody else. That's of no surprise. But the hostilities between Russia and many countries now um, has never been higher short of uh, the Cold War. This is a little bit hotter than a Cold War action, though. 
Um, Wallace said the UK had been tracking these Russian submarines all over the place. Um, and alarm bells have been ring ringing among NATO allies about the Russians fleet uh, underwater, which one expert previously told Newsweek the critical challenge that the United States faces is that force because it can get right up close and personal by the time our military knows they could be within striking distance. Um, there have been, it says here in the article, there have been increasing indications of Russian submarines operating off U.S. and Mediterranean coasts. In fact, I seem to recall um, a sub off the coast of Hawaii um, that was reported last year. I don't know if they're going to talk about it here, um, but there was something weird near Hawaii. Um, and I thought they said that it was a Russian um, sub, but it was in um, January of 2023. Oh, so it was this year. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, the waters are getting a little bit warm and I don't like the, uh, the possibility is what's really troubling. I don't think that anybody, and I'm going to knock on wood and I encourage everybody else to do it too. I'm not really superstitious but i'll be superstitious for everybody um i don't think that anybody's gonna drop a nuke we've seen what has happened and uh if it wasn't for um a, an unbelievable amount of support being poured back into the victims of the only nuclear strike done uh, ironically the u.s dropping two bombs uh on japan um Japan would still be um, hobbled to this day, um, but they became, uh, I don't know of willing allies until much later, um, but engineering went in, worked on production and capabilities, infrastructure, and, and helped rebuild. And um, then it just gets confusing and complicated beyond that surface look. But I just don't think anybody is going to actually risk this anymore. Not this day and age. Not unless uh, Putin goes completely batshit crazy and his parting shot from the planet is a parting shot to the rest of the planet. You know what I mean? Um, and But him trying to put the band back together is pretty much his testament to the future. He wants something bigger and he's willing to sacrifice all of Russia um, to get it. So I hope that nothing comes of it. Um, there's a little bit more in this article, um, but for the most part, everybody is aware of your shenanigans there, uh, Putin. You might as well just bring back your dogs and, and not have them barking at people. Um, let me move on, move on to the next article. Um, this one here is uh, Mist Rogue. Mist and the Living Dungeons hitting steam early access date announced so developer polyscape incorporated announced that action rpg mist rogue mist and the living dungeons will be available for pc and mac on steam early access on april 24th 2023 for those of you out there that really dig um this kind of game you will love it um and i'll show the video here in a little bit but Anyways, it's a hack and slash roguelite uh, action RPG with living dungeons that dynamically change around the player. Um, 
Players need to use their items and skills strategically, some of which can change the dungeon format. And you'll, you'll love this. It's muted so I can actually play the game. Or I should I can play the video. So the article is written by Alex Fuller over at RP Gamer or, or RPGamer.com. <laughs> uh, and uh, it describes basically in text what I'm showing you here in the video. The floor and other and its constituent parts, walls and, and uh, atmospherics uh, changes as the player is walking through the dungeon. And um, I love it. Um, I'm not sure about the city side of things changing, but I think that's kind of the roguelite aspect of it, um, where you go back and you build out, expand your character skills and abilities, um, and then go back into the dungeon to try and fight the beasts uh, for fortune and fame. So I dig this. Um, I don't know. It just seems like a perpetually replayable uh dungeon adventure apparently it's over at kickstarter as well but it's going to be uh, steam early access on april 24th so go check it out and that's all there is to that article but you can go and check out that video um, either at rpgamer.com or youtube um, or apparently over at kickstarter if you can find it um, well, that's coming up soon that'll be on monday they don't yeah they don't link to it yeah so pretty exciting I'll, I'll be uh, putting it on my watch list. So let's move on to the next and the last article for today. And the source of all of our uh, title giggles. Yeah. So hot tubs wildebeest found after $340,000 in Ohio public funds go missing. This is in the mobile channel, but it was sourced from the hill. Um, MacArthur, Ohio sets the stage. A former fiscal officer in Ohio has been sentenced to nearly five years in prison in order to repay the almost $340,000 that they stole from their office and used in part to purchase a wildebeest, owls, hot tubs, a drum set, a gazebo, and a snow cone machine. Because wildebeests get really hot in summer and they like to play the drums. If you've ever heard, if you've ever watched Zootopia, then you know this to be true. And sometimes when after a hard set, they like to just munch down on some snow cone in their hot tub under a gazebo. Damn it. I put the whole thing together. <laughs> I wasn't sure how these were connected, but thank you. <laughs> uh, according to the Ohio Auditor of State, Cyril Sy uh, Vierstra of Wilkes Wilkesville. Um, stole $339,717.86 from public funds um, of Vinton Township to buy several exotic animals and numerous items for his own use, one of which apparently was a wildebeest for his own private zoo. Adam Kahn over at The Hill put this article together. Let me scroll up a little bit. So this is the Union Ridge Wildlife Center and the inventory. Um, I okay, believe wait. that this is- I have to tell you this. So I yeah, just go, looked go. up the um, population. So this is an old census, but 548 people, because I was thinking this is probably a small town. So think about what the town budget probably is. 
And $340,000. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's got to be relatively <laughs> low. <laughs> they, they really pushed uh, the operations budget to the limit because they only had 200 and uh what right. <laughs> $83 to work with roughly and and that's before they had to break a dollar to get the other you know, 34 cents to round out $340,000. That's pretty amazing though. This person got away with so much because there wasn't enough checks and balances obviously. So um Veerstra was found guilty of uh, theft in office, $340,000 of public funds. I think this is his, this is his actual, um, his own little wildlife refuge, not the one that he was supposed to be buying animals for, like the wildebeest and stuff. Cause it says- right, it's his personal refuge. It wasn't like a state or city right. refuge, correct? Yeah, so like he filled out stuff. And, but he used a debit card at auctions to get this stuff. And he got much more, by the way. So oh, he used... I didn't realize it was through auction. I mean, I wonder why they accepted it. Well, because it was probably a government card, which should have flagged. But anyway. Yeah, the refuge housed animals, including tigers. What is an OU dad? Owdad? I'm not up. sure how to pronounce that. I don't think I've heard of that, but uh, capuchins are little monkeys, chimpanzees, lemurs, macaques, spider monkeys, um, birds of prey, and cranes. And they, the person um, bought five hot tubs, an above ground pool, a gazebo, outdoor grills, popcorn cart, a projector screen to keep the wildebeest happy. Um, kayaks, pressure washers, a CPR mannequin. <laughs> this guy. This is insane. Impulse shopper um, is spectacular, you know. By the just, way, that's a what's called a Barbary sheep. It looks like kind of a big horn. Um, it's not big horn, but it, it looks kind of similar to that, or it looks like a. So ram. the horns are really low. They run really um, low, or to the sides. Is that what the one that I'm looking at? The one that I'm thinking about. Yeah, they don't really. They kind of. Yeah, really tight, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I have heard of Sorry, it. Sorry, I'm but... doing the visual, but I'm not saying it, which is not very helpful. <laughs> yeah, and for everybody who's wondering how this works, the artificial intelligence is similar to, in, in scope, um, for me visually, you see the voice visualizer, but I see the entire embodiment of the AI, and it's much like the Matrix. Um, and uh, the... The AI is powered by uh, humans as well uh, in Ometown. So uh, if you feel a tingling sensation while you're visiting Ometown, you're powering the AI. So don't don't be too worried. Um, anyway, I think I've said too much. They I also think you definitely have. <laughs> they also had to forfeit a 2020 Cushman Hauler 1200X utility vehicle, a 2019 Cub Cadet XT1 LT42 riding lawnmower. Yes, I'm going to say all of these. And a 2006 Chevy Animal Rescue trailer and six Geldwen vinyl windows. There's an awful lot of detail on this article. <laughs> uh, I love this. Uh, unfortunately for this person, while they enjoyed the ride for a little, a little while, Dunkstar says that 
uh, they tingle. Is it the website or is it me? Hmm. Um, <laughs> again, I think, oh, it's the AI. Oh, well, at least. All right, fine. See, I have a self-deflating ego, and even when I tried to use a, a subtle claim, yes, roasted. Z says I just got roasted. So AI, just so you know, you're making Dunkstar tingle. I'm not sure where to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. So now you know. If you're going to use a townships credit card, don't buy a wildebeest because it will just run right to the authorities and tell on you. And then you're out everything else that you've been doing. You know, we don't, I don't think we know exactly how this was uncovered. So maybe that was it. Yeah, actually. Investigators determined that Veerstra created fake invoices, billing slips, and other fraudulent documents to hide his activities, which included 812 debit card transactions. But how did it? I think they were like, okay, we are doing the annual audit and $340,000 is missing and all of these weird things exist that have never existed in the history of the township. Well, again, remember the size of the town. Yeah. So, for example, if there's one main street, it might be kind of obvious when, say, the wildlife refuge suddenly pops up or whatever it is. Again, hey, Cy, I'm you're wildebeest. <laughs> yeah. Z says, and she's speechless. Um, yeah, that, that seems to happen often in our streams. Maybe it's me. I don't know. Maybe the large language model that powers you has little holes where something should be fitting in there and <laughs> maybe not. That's okay. Um, so yeah, that's, it's just, this is, if they would have dedicated as much energy to building their own sanctuary. Right. <laughs> Think of all the good things. I mean, at least I have to say, at least some of this seemed to be a good cause. I'm not sure about the uh, hot tubs, drum set, <laughs> et cetera. But, um, but the wildebeest needs to hit those drums, drink. man. Yeah. <laughs> it was a refuge for only the wildebeest. The, the audience were all of the rest of these, right? The chimpanzees, lemurs, macaques, spider monkeys, birds of prey. They were all in it. capuchins. They were yeah. all cheering on. Oh, there I were mean, tigers. Were... I skipped over oh. it. There were tigers. Oh, really? I mean, that's uh, kind of surprising. But, you know, maybe they were clamoring for entertainment. And so he felt the need to bring in. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's how it works. Uh, there's an audience for everyone. And uh, speaking of that, I want to thank everybody who came to hang out. I really do appreciate it. Um, we're at the end of the formal show, I suppose. We can talk about anything. Um, so what normally happens at the end of the show is I bring us back to the welcome sign of Ohm Town and I mash the little button and 
off it goes, grabs a whole bunch of articles that have been aggregated since the beginning um, of the show. And then uh, we start this whole process over again. And tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern, we talk about another 10, 11, 12. We've had as high as I think 16 articles in one go when I knew that we would be able to rifle through a whole bunch of them really fast. Um, but did you know that Theranus's uh, Elizabeth Holmes is still trying to undo her conviction? I didn't know that. Yeah, she's supposed to be returning um, or going to jail. I, I don't know. If I were to have committed that crime, my butt would have been in jail a long time ago, but she already had money. Um, Dunkstar, thank you for hanging out. Really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Theranos pissed off a lot of really rich people and there was no way she was going to get out of doing jail time um her fake it to till she made it kind of policy just didn't last long enough she couldn't she couldn't fake it long enough to get there um even though i have a belief that the technology could have gotten there but just didn't really happen in time um and then all the manipulation and stuff but there's all kinds of stuff in here um Web3 onboarding, and uh, what is Web3? An AI researcher that Elon Musk hired was arrested in a domestic violence case now, for crying out loud. It's just, just a convoluted mess of everything. Not everything is really you know, sad and foreboding. Um, there's so much here that uh, in any given day, there are hundreds, if not thousands of headlines that you can find something of interest. Um, but with that in mind, want to thank everybody and I will let you all go. Um, do we want to go and raid somebody who is uh, running around right now? Um, let me see. Do, 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 do. Um, I will leave all of this in uh, the chat. So, um, oh, doggone it. I, I can't. I don't know who. Who do we want to send everybody to? Where do y'all want to go? Let's see. <laughs> you want to stay here? All right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'll send you to Rando. Uh, Rando Taka is, uh, I don't, what do you want to call Rando? Uh, a, a pillar of the community. Um, hangs out, uh, pretty much every night over at Dunkstar's, um, no, you can't claim that you never heard him and never heard of my God. <laughs> you cannot claim that you never heard of him. Okay. We're going to do that. Um, there we go. I'm sending you all over there. You only have a couple of seconds to run. And I want to thank you all very much for, Hang a herd. Ha ha ha. Still have those wildebeest on your mind. Yeah. They play drums. Everybody remember that. Thanks again. I'm sending you all over there. Yay. Go raid. Tell a friend. See you tomorrow night. And well, I'll see you all in about maybe an hour and a half, two hours. See you soon. Bye bye. Okay. Now I got to end this. See y'all later. You want to say bye? Good night, hometown citizens, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Thank you.